Welcome to the Womb Happy Hour with Lorraine Giordano. It's time to connect with your feminine energy center, your own body, to achieve anything that your heart desires. It's a discussion about a place you may have not discussed so much, the place down there. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Giordano. Hola and welcome. Hope you're having a fantastic day. You're listening to the Womb Happy Hour. I'm your host, Lorraine Giordano. You can connect with me by liking me on Facebook at Inspired to Health. You can follow me on Twitter at Inspire, the number two health, and it's without the D, so it's I-N-S-P-I-R-E, number two health. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn at uh, Lorraine, L-O-R-R-A-I-N-E dot Giordano. All right, so I'm going to start the show today. I have some good news and I have some not so good news. So I was totally uh, psyched to have uh, the creator of Beauty in Blood, Jen Lewis, on the show tonight. And an emergency has happened and she is not going to be able to join us. So that's the not so good news. And um, an emergency came up. So if we could just take a deep breath and everyone send some positive energy to Jen, she's okay, but um, we could just send her some positive energy. And the good news is that she'll be on shortly, in a few weeks. And so I'll keep everybody updated on uh, when she'll be on. And, um, you know, so for tonight, it's going to be me, Lorraine Giordano, your host, and I'm kind of going to tell you a story about how I met Jen. I actually met Jen Lewis through Twitter, but then I met her at a um, at the conference in Boston that was held um, by the Society of Mental Cycle Research. Um, and so we were going to talk about tonight... Um, shifting menstrual taboos. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes is by Einstein. And he says, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when creating them. And I think what is so cool and what is so bold and creative about Jen Lewis's work is that she is using photography of menstrual blood to kind of open the conversation, the dialogue, uh, to bring more awareness of the blue beauty in blood. Um, you know, we see it so often, uh, blood in TV shows, um, you know, a lot of violence. But actually, there's like 50 or slightly more than 50% of the world is bleeding on a monthly basis for a huge chunk of time. And there's such a stigma still with that. Uh, so... For tonight, I'm going to talk about um, some ancient wisdom that I learned about at the Society of Menstrual Psycho Research that was held two years ago in Boston. And so what's exciting is that for the listeners out there that might not even know there is a conference um, where a bunch of women and men get together and talk about, um, you know, bringing more awareness to menstruation, it happens. It goes on, and it's a growing, uh, it's a growing event. So, 
And what's interesting is that this conference has been going, well, the Society for Menstrual Cycle Research Research has been around since 1977. So um, there are, at this conference, there are presentations on the menstrual cycle, including those that involve like theory, public policy, healthcare, clinical applications, art, and activism. So this year, it's in Atlanta, Georgia, and I believe it's on June 23rd and June 24th. Um, And if you'd like to find out more information, you can find out by going to, I'm going to have to tweet out the menstrual cycle research, I think it's menstrualcycleresearch.org website. Um, But yes, there is a conference. Um, I highly recommend it. So the first time I went was in 2015, and I found it to be fascinating, and I found, I I learned so much, and uh, Jen Lewis held a, an art show um, called Widening the Cycle, a menstrual cycle and reproductive justice art show. So she held the show, and I have to be honest, it was really thought-provoking, and some of the artwork uh, I thought was brilliant, beautiful. Some of it I kind of was taken aback on and it made me think, it made me pause and made me ponder, well, why am I having a reaction to this? What is it about this piece that's causing me to feel a little squeamish or a little uncomfortable? But again, going to Einstein's quote, I think if we're approaching our relationship to our bodies as women, and if we're approaching kind of elevating and, and rather than feeling shame about something that's so natural as our monthly cycle, um, there should be some more reverence. In what ways can we add more reverence and um, even a bit of joy and appreciation for that monthly cycle? And again, a few weeks ago when I kicked off the show, I did talk about, you know, it's, you know, a lot of women experience a lot of pain. Um, with their cycles and we experience, you know, some women have been raped, molested, there's physical abuse, emotional abuse, relationship abuse, and that all kind of um, has a, a strong electrical charge in our womb areas. So I look forward to talking with Jen in the future. And for tonight, I want to share that there is a beautiful lady. Um, her name is Sinu Joseph, and she is. Um, you can find out about her on the website of Mithri Speaks. So she was a speaker at this conference, and I have to say, um, out of all the presentations and Broadway shows and concerts, and you know, just you know, watching someone present something. She's in my top five of where I was blown away, where I left and I kind of felt like, gee, I had no idea. So, you know, and I think it's a little bit um, interesting how um, we kind of create stories and we create certain perceptions that kind of stick over time. And the purpose of her talk was to um, talk about the the ancient wisdom 
of of menstruation. Uh, a bit of the background of uh, the ancient wisdom derived from Ayurvedic medicine um, that originally, you know, let's say 6,000, 4,000 years ago, was this Ayurvedic uh, practice was some of these traditions that are now considered taboo and stigma uh, and stigmatized was due to <laughs> um, really supporting a woman's health, a woman's fertility. So if you go to root cause where some of this all started, um, the story shifted somehow to create more, to kind of bring in more of the storyline of shame and taboo rather than wisdom and supporting a woman's health. So she talked about seven prevalent menstrual taboos. And what she and um, a couple of her associates did was go to different uh, different villages and really talk to the elderly folks that were in these villages in India to get some of the background story that we don't really hear. So I suspect that some of the people out there are kind of like, you know, if you're sitting in Poughkeepsie, or you're sitting in London and you're like, well, what does ancient, ancient menstrual wisdom has, have to do for me today? Um, you know, I think it's important to kind of understand um, the context where some of these things came from to kind of open up our, our awareness, um, to kind of help shift the story, kind of see things from a different angle. And so I kind of relate it to cleaning. <laughs> you know, sometimes when, you know, you do that kind of high level cleaning where you kind of see something at the same angle every day and you're just kind of like, yeah, things are looking pretty good. But then when you change your angle, you kind of look at it from down below or you move a piece of furniture or you bend over a little further in the refrigerator, you kind of say, oh, wow, I didn't even know this was, um, this was here. This needed some attention. This could be cleared out. So I think by talking about some of these things, it kind of um, opens up the dialogue. It's not to say that it kind of uh, waves a magic wand and helps kind of um, immediately kind of cure or erase the uh, existing stigmas that are around or the taboos, but it presents an opportunity um, to kind of say, oh, well, yeah, well, why not think about this a little differently? Um, so Sinu Joseph, I'm just going to mention her again. She did do a um, TEDx talk, um, and you can find it on her website at mithrispeaks.wordpress.com. Um, it's really kind of interesting, and it's eye-opening, so I, I highly recommend it. Um and the talk that she gave at the conference in 2015 is called Experiences from India, Reclaiming a Positive and Celebratory Outlook Towards Menstruation. And so um, I am going to break in two minutes. But before I go, um, if you have the opportunity, take a look at the Society of um, Menstrual Cycle Research website or take a look at the Sinu Joseph <laughs> website. And if you'd like to check out some of Jen Lewis's artwork, check out Beauty and Blood. I highly recommend it. Um, so that's a lot of options to look at, but worth looking at all of them. So see you in two minutes. 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Visit InspiredToHelp.net for help in feeling more grounded, centered, and relaxed using different energy healing tools. Lorraine Giordano works with women and men in person or via Skype or telephone sessions. You can sign up for a single session or try one of our discounted multi-session packages. We also offer three levels of Reiki classes. Find out more at InspiredToHelp.net. You can even book Lorraine for a workshop or speaking event. Visit InspiredToHelp.net today. Do you get a little nervous or hesitate to discuss topics down there that aren't talked about often? We hear you. Or are you curious to look at frequently discussed topics from a different perspective? Visiting InspiredToHealth.net opens up a whole world of discussion that you may not have known even existed. Lorraine Giordano offers a forum of open and frank discussion about those seemingly unmentionable topics down below. Visit now, InspiredToHealth.net. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to the Womb Happy Hour. To reach Lorraine Giordano, her guest, or if you have a comment on the show, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. Or send an email to info at inspiredtohealth.net. Now back to the Womb Happy Hour. Hello, hello, hello. This is Lorraine Giordano, your host on the Womb Happy Hour. Uh, tonight we are talking about um, ancient wisdom that somehow got the story of the ancient wisdom related to menstruation somehow got twisted over time. And so it kind of, rather than... Um, you know, embracing and enhancing uh, the connection to nature that kind of relates to every woman's body going through that natural monthly flow. Um, over time, things morphed into an inaccurate messaging that somehow women are unclean or impure. So Jen Lewis can join us today from Beauty and Blood, sending out positive vibes to Jen. Um, she had an emergency, but uh, there is the Society for Central, <laughs> the Society for Menstrual Cycle Research, a conference that Jen did a great art show, and I thought it'd be helpful to kind of roll back time uh, and talk about a presentation that I heard by the lovely Sinu Joseph of Mithri Speaks. And right now we're going to do a deep dive into some of those seven prevalent menstrual taboos. Um, and so before we do that deep dive, let's talk a little bit about Ayurvedic um, medicine. Ayurveda has been around for 7,000 years. So it's based on the body's natural healing ability and its relation to nature. So many of the cultural practices that exist today in India is based on this ancient healing wisdom. And so I am not an Ayurvedic expert, but I have personally um, worked with an Ayurvedic healer who back in the day when I was on disability really helped to transform my life because um, my body had shut down. The doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. 
that was like the early stages of Operation Save Uterus. Um, and my Ayurvedic healer helped me to, rather than lie in a bed all day, kind of help me get up and kind of get back to living. So it is a powerful healing uh, tool, and it still is very popular today. And um, but in this in this conference in this presentation, one of the ancient um, um, wisdoms um, was that menstrual blood was considered extremely powerful and important to a woman's health. Now, if you contrast that to that taboo, that menstrual blood is impure, um, you know, there's a big difference there. So I'm not an expert in Indian culture. I have been there on business numerous times, but um, um, even if you're not, if you've never been to India, even just being in America where I'm at, you kind of get that sense that there's still a notion that menstrual blood is impure. Why? Just look at commercials. <laughs> Just look at, you know, again, going to TV where it's so common to see people being killed and stabbed and shot and bloody versus something that's natural that women have. It's shown, it's depicted as blue liquid on a white pure um, pad. And that's just the reality of a menstrual flow. So, the ancient wisdom, so Senior Joseph talked to different village elderly people and, and kind of um, in order to help shift some of these taboos that are prevalent in India, kind of acquired some really powerful information about what these practices um, really were, were designed for and they were designed to help support a woman's body. So a woman's period provides the opportunity for a monthly cleansing and clearing of ex- excess, what they're called doshas. So in Ayurvedic medicine, there are three types of doshas. There's the vata, um, pita, and kapha. So vata is the air element, uh, pita is the fire element, and kapha is the water element. So during menstruation, your vata is the strongest, so women experience a buildup of energy a few days before getting their period. So... The apana vayu, one of the functions of the vata dosha, is responsible for the downward flow of menstruation. So this is all about energy. So it's all about cleansing. So think about it today. If you go on Facebook, if you go on TV, there's so many products now about detoxing and cleansing. Women are naturally designed to cleanse their body through their monthly flow. Um... And so anything, so in ancient times, anything that interfered with the downward flow of energy should be avoided Um, because there was a notion that during this time, it's easier for women to absorb other people's energy. So, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, when I'm kind of PMSy, I'm a bit sensitive sometimes. I kind of, um, my intuition kind of kicks in even stronger And even when I have my period, I feel like my intuition (laughs) kicks on stronger. Things are just like flavors kind of kick in, um, smells kick in more. Um, People might annoy me a little bit more sometimes. I mean, I think this isn't isn't something that does not happen today. Um, So 
pita, the fire element, relates to assimilation and metabolism, and the water element relates to stability. So back in the day, um, in order to ensure that a female's health and overall well-being um, was was in sync, you know, everyone paid attention to the moon cycle. This was a way for women to um, be in tune with nature. So there's been a, a recent um, resurgence and and resurgence in women paying attention to the moon cycles. Now, sometimes scientists poo-poo that, um, but um, back in the day, a menstrual period ends the fertility cycle and should be the last four days and nights before the new moon. So this alignment applied to all women. So imagine if every woman in the world bled together before the new moon. That's something to think about. So that is um, some ancient wisdom debunking that menstrual blood is impure. Second one is that women should avoid attending religious functions and visiting temples because they are impure. So back in the day in ancient times, that was not true. Uh, A menstruating woman was considered pure and revered as a living goddess. So Menstrual energy moves downward to the earth, um, and then offerings, which is very common, um, kind of are offerings that kind of are gifted moving upward. So the opposing energy movement was thought to bring discomfort to a woman's body. So, um, you know, even today in India, there are some reports about women not being allowed to go into temple um, and that it, it's caused a lot of friction um, because a lot of young girls don't understand that. So in these older practices, a menstruating woman was considered a goddess. So it wasn't because she was impure and clean or dirty or less than. It was she was considered a goddess. And any idols, um, like it, it would cause confusion between who should – Someone worship the the um, the idol, or should they worship the goddess? So, if you pause for a moment and think about it today, if you like, rather than thinking that you're less than or it's an annoyance to have your monthly flow, might be a good way to every once in a while think of yourself as a goddess who bleeds, and know that that's um, you know in a sense, honoring how your body is in tune with nature. Um, There are temples in India, and an example of that is the Andhra Pradesh, where women are priests and they're free to be in the temple during their period. So it's not all or none, but there is an opportunity for for more inclusion there um, if... Some of these taboos would shift. All right, so another another existing taboo is that women should not cook and eat with, with others during menstruation because their blood is unclean. Okay, so based on the presentation that Sinu shared, eating 
was considered a spiritual activity in ancient times. And um, the lower chakras energy, so the lower chakras, which are like your root and your sacral, caused, and your sacral and your root is where your menstrual cycle really happens, cause people to release negative energy all around while eating. Um, so since it was considered um, easy for bleeding women to um, absorb other people's energies, she might be adversely affected by absorbing other people's lower energies. And so that's why, um, you know, there is this um, idea that women shouldn't cook or eat with others. It's really to support a woman with her downward movement and not absorb any else, anyone else's um, icky energy. One thing I wanted to mention, eating food with your hands um, was not only, um, you know, it was used in order to um, feed not only the body, but also the person's mind and spirit. So our hands are really powerful. And the ancient mudra practice, which are like placing your, your fingertips in certain positions, um, help to kind of enhance the elements and to help bring, like boost up your digestive juices to the food that you're eating and ultimately add more pleasure to what you're, what you're putting into your body. I kind of think that's pretty cool. Um, so yes, so the whole thing about women shouldn't cook and eat and maybe using even today separate cutlery, um, it's kind of presented more as a taboo, but originally the whole idea came from protecting women from absorbing other people's energy. And then the fourth one is restrictions of sex during menstruation because of being unclean. So, again, back in the day, in ancient times, when women have sex, and let's say a man ejaculates into the woman, the woman absorbs the male energy that's released. So, again, the priority for a woman, a menstruating woman, was to release their own energy without any disruptions. So, if you absorb their partner's energy, it could possibly negatively affect her health. Um, which is kind of fascinating. Now, coincidentally, um, on Facebook, there's a group, Enlightened Consciousness, and there was a good article, I think I might have tweeted it, um, about why we should cleanse our energy based on our sexual partners, because we are absorbing um, other people's energies, having sex with them. So there were some good tips in that article. I might retweet it too, if you want to check it out. Um, but yeah, some of this stuff still exists today. So we're going to take a two minute break and I'll continue with some of these, um, taboos and kind of flipping them on their heads, um, in order to support women's health. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
Visit inspiredtohelp.net for help in feeling more grounded, centered, and relaxed using different energy healing tools. Lorraine Giordano works with women and men in person or via Skype or telephone sessions. You can sign up for a single session or try one of our discounted multi-session packages. We also offer three levels of Reiki classes. Find out more at inspiredtohelp.net. You can even book Lorraine for a workshop or speaking event. Visit inspiredtohelp.net today. Do you get a little nervous or hesitate to discuss topics down there that aren't talked about often? We hear you. Or are you curious to look at frequently discussed topics from a different perspective? Visiting inspiredtohelp.net opens up a whole world of discussion that you may not have known even existed. Lorraine Giordano offers a form of open and frank discussion about those seemingly unmentionable topics down below. Visit now, inspiredtohelp.net. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to the womb happy hour to reach lorraine giordano her guest or if you have a comment on the show please call in to 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 or send an email to info at inspiredtohealth.net now back to the womb happy hour okay welcome back everybody this is the Womb Happy Hour, and I'm your host, Lorraine Giordano. Uh, we are rolling back time and talking about ancient wisdom. Uh, that kind of blew me away uh, when I heard a woman by the name of Sinu Joseph of Myth Free Speaks um, at the Society of Menstrual Psycho Research Conference two years ago. Um, she was sharing, based on talking to elderly people, in villages in India, some of these ancient practices based on Ayurveda, um, Ayurvedic medicine that were that came about because of the need or the focus of supporting women's health and their fertility. And somehow or other, it, it got a little bit twisted. So, and the story changed. So now in 2017, the tide is changing a bit in the world. Um, but there still exists a significant amount of um, menstrual taboo, menstrual st- shame, menstrual stigma. Um, you know, go to a bar, talk with strangers, and bring up your period, and it's a great way to, to clear the crowd. Um, you know, some people get very uncomfortable talking about these things. But by not talking about something that's so natural to, you know, over 50% of the world, it kind of creates a... A, um, a lack of connection for women to have a stronger relationship to their bodies. Um, and we're reviewing some of the um, some of the existing taboos, but the ancient wisdom rolling back time that that started um, with the intention of helping women. So we just talked about restriction of sex during menstruation, and now we're going to go to avoid swimming or washing hair during your menstrual cycle. This one's kind of tough for me because I'm a big fan of taking showers and feeling the water and just, I find it so relaxing. But ancient practices were based on the natural elements. 
in the previous segment, I talked about the fire, water, earth, air, um, to bless, cure, heal, nourish, and nurture the body, mind, and spirit. So angels believe that water is very powerful and sacred, and it has a cosmic energy and memory to it. So due to its strength, um, you know, the thought at the time, 6,000, 7,000 years ago, um, was that the strength of the water could possibly influence the menstrual cycle and possibly affect the rhythm and beat of the cycle. So, and the rhythm and beat, the rhythm is going to get you, um, but the rhythm and the beat of your womb, it does have a specific kind of beat to it. Um, so when you're menstruating, it's kind of beating and pulling down to kind of help support the flow of blood. So um, if there's a lack of movement or stagnation or some sort of influence to throw off that rhythm, then you could possibly impact the health or the fertility of the woman. So, um, So the fire element is related to the memory of blood. And it's supposed to flow in tempo with its own unique movement. And it shouldn't be deserved by the water element. So again, um, and for me, uh, and for a lot of my friends and a lot of my clients, you know, before you get your period, you feel your temperature rise slightly. You feel a little hotter. I mean, it's just kind of like that fire is kicking in. And so the body does heat up. uh, And so... Back in the day, they just thought it would be best to allow your cycle to flow, allow the fire to kind of burn and then calm down rather than throwing water on it to throw off the balance. So the next one is avoid eating certain types of foods during menstruation. So well, actually, that's the... um, I mean, is that a taboo per se? Not exactly, but it does make a lot of sense. So that's not a taboo, but, you know, inherently, I don't know about you ladies, but when I, before I'm going to get my period, I want sweets, I want some chocolate, I want some, like, starchy, yummy foods. Um, But anything, based on the Ayurvedic principles, anything that generates heat Um, Any food that generates excess heat, such as like animals and dairy, um, can cause excess body heat, and that could lead towards excess cramps during your period. So, I mean, I think today, the science of that kind of proves out. I think uh, 6,000, 7,000 years ago, these folks were onto something. They understood how the body worked, and science today kind of also... Um, proves that out. So even eating, um, let's say, fatty, non-healthy foods, dairy, excess dairy, um, a lot of gluten, a lot of acidic foods tends to increase more of your your prostaglandins, which could increase your, your cramps, feeling cramps. So focusing on foods that are easy to digest and that are higher in iron and calcium, like fruits, um, 
certain vegetables like fenugreek um, and um, you know certain high quality vegetables um, are recommended for menstruating girls to help reduce cramps um, and so the last one is uh, the last taboo is isolating women in menstrual huts. So women should be kind of shunned and put to the side in menstrual huts because their blood is not clean. And anybody who's read The Red Tent knows that, um, which I love that book, knows that these tents um, were more for... um, for women to, to have rest during their menstruation or pregnancy um, without having to worry about um, the men coming home. Because men back in the day used to travel for months at a time. You know, they would, they would go out there to tend and bring back, you know, get some work done, get animals for food. Um, and when they got home, obviously they were kind of horny and they were eager to have sex with women. And um, they had been out there in a long time, so they were looking for some action. So did they care about whether they were pregnant or whether they were bleeding? Maybe not, because it's been a long time. So um, the community created these seclusion huts for women in order for them to have time they needed to rest and to not have to deal with... Um, the honey let's get it on so and it became a source of support for women in the community to to hang out with one another and today there are you know different groups around the world that have created their own um their own red tents their own menstrual huts where they gather and women who are on have their period or for support or for different groups um this is currently happening today. And so that's not so much as a taboo, um, although there are people who are shunned and, and not allowed to stay in their homes. Um, but think about it as a way for support. Um, so I think the more support women, and I said this in the show recently, Um, During stress, the fight-or-flight response kicks in. For women, due to our hormones and oxytocin, there's the tend and befriend. So these huts, these these ways for women to come together, kind of support women feeling better. And so now we have meetup groups. We have, you know, different red tents, and it's currently going on. So... I'm talking about these these um, existing taboos and how they relate to the ancient wisdom from when they originally started 6,000, 7,000 years ago um, in order to kind of say, hey, um, rather than feeling shame about bleeding once a month, think of yourself as a goddess. Um, honor that there is movement going on in your body. And... And let's change the conversation. Let's open it up a bit. So I'd like to share, before we close, a tip. 
a 4,000, 5,000-year-old tip that can help with uh, your menstrual flow. And that is a castor oil pack. So it's been used for centuries. And castor oil is derived from seeds of the castor plant. And it's been known for all this time, for many years, to help with healing, especially with down there, especially with female reproductive organs and with fertility. So the benefit of a castor oil pack is that it stimulates your lymphatic and circulatory systems and helps to flush out your liver. So it's known to support ovarian health, your fallopian tubes, your uterus. And if you're looking to detox before you have a baby, this is a a nice natural tip. Now, I'm talking about a castor oil pack externally. I'm not talking about ingesting castor oil. I don't recommend that, although some people do. Um, But your lymphatic system is about movement. So... The lymphatic system removes toxins and waste. Your circulatory system has to do with your heart and your blood. So you want fresh oxygenated blood and the castor oil helps to stimulate that. So if you're not having enough circulation um, down in your womb area, then stagnation kind of comes about. Uh, Your liver removes hormones, drugs, And it inactivates some of these toxins and hormones and excess drugs um, in your system, and it sends it off to the kidneys. So a castor oil pack is great for movement and um, to get rid of stuff that you you no longer need to carry. So all you need to do is soak a cloth, um, whether it's in flannel or a a cotton cloth, um, put it on your belly, your lower abdomen, you can put it on your liver, you can put it on different places, but let's put it on your lower abdomen, leave it on for 30 minutes oh, with the cloth, put a little plastic around it. Um, and then if you want to put a, a hot water bottle, it feels very yummy and soothing and relaxing. Um, I'm a big fan of castor oil packs. I find that it helps me poop a bit more too. And so I highly recommend it. It's been, it's been used for, you know, thousands of years. It's worth giving it a try. And so we're going to wrap up. Thank you so much for joining the show. Um, We talked about some ancient wisdom that the lovely Sinu Joseph from Myth 3 Speaks shared at a conference at the Society for Menstrual Cycle Research. It is um, worth checking out if you can in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, my name is Lorraine Giordano. I'm your host of the Womb Happy Hour. You can connect with me on Facebook at Inspired to Health, on Twitter and Inspired to Health. And next week we'll be talking to Dr. Allison Grimstone on hormones. Thank you and have a great week. Thank you for joining us for the Womb Happy Hour. Be sure to tune in again for another edition featuring your host, Lorraine Giordano, next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an excellent week.